Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. The rest of the story. As we began this new series last Sunday, I referenced a radio program that ran for many years by that title, hosted by Paul Harvey. Now, the program consisted of stories presented as little-known or forgotten facts on a variety of subjects, with some key elements of the story, usually the name of some well-known person, held back until the end. And so the broadcast always concluded with some variation of the tagline, and now you know the rest of the story. And typically, as he told people stories, Paul Harvey would reference some moment or event or a series of moments or events that affected the rest of the story for that person's life. Well, this series follows Easter Sunday, the most significant story that we can ever tell. The resurrection of Jesus affects the rest of the story the rest of the storyline of human history, but the resurrection in very specific ways also speaks into and affects my story and your story. And so we could easily, as we walk through this series, we could easily look at the lives of a number of men and women in the New Testament, but we are primarily going to focus on moments from the life of the apostle Peter. Some before the resurrection and some after the resurrection, but all of those moments are moments that affect the rest of Peter's story. Uh, today, I want to read one specific story from Peter's life, but I also want to briefly reference two other moments. All three of those moments today come before the crucifixion and the resurrection, but again, they are significant moments that affect the rest of Peter's story. I'm going to make a few observations, but I primarily want you to hear the reading of the story. And then we'll have the privilege of interacting with David and Lisa Fraz as well. The first two moments of the story uh, of Peter's life occur on the Sea of Galilee. And I would encourage you, as I share these two moments with you, I would encourage you uh, to keep in mind anytime you read a story in the Gospels, about Jesus and the disciples and the Sea of Galilee, remember that seven of those apostles were fishermen. And so they had often been on the Sea of Galilee. No doubt they had experienced their share of storms on that body of water. And yet perhaps the storms they face in these two moments were far beyond anything they could ever imagined. The first moment is found in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus and the disciples, including Peter, are in a boat crossing the Sea of Galilee when a furious storm comes up so that the waves swept over the boat. But Matthew tells us Jesus was sleeping. And so the disciples woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Or if you would allow me to paraphrase, Jesus, the storms are raging all around us. Where are you? Don't you care about us? Jesus replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? He got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. May I suggest that you and I, just like the disciples, when we face storms, 
Whether we're talking about literal storms on a body of water or the storms of life that we all face that sometimes overwhelm us, death, hurt, heartache, brokenness, despair, illness, tragedy. A normal reaction is often fear, and a normal reaction is often wrapped into all of the questions we have. God, where are you? Don't you care? In this particular moment, the disciples were fearful for their very lives, and maybe some of you have experienced that kind of of literal storm, whether on a body of water or as some storm races through a community. But far beyond that, I suspect that many, if not all of us, have faced those other kinds of storms where we are overwhelmed by life, where it is so hard to take another step, where we may even despair of life itself. Second moment in Peter's life comes after the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew's gospel. Let me read this particular one. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So many directions we could go with that story. Let me share three quick observations. One Just like the previous story, the disciples are terrified. I suspect they are already fearful enough because of the wind and the waves. And evidently, they have been rowing that boat for quite some time, and they've made no progress. But specifically, they are terrified when they see Jesus walking on the water, thinking he is a ghost. Second observation, Peter is the only one of the twelve who stepped out of the boat the only one of the 12 who walked on water. Again, when the disciples see Jesus, they think they're seeing a ghost. They cry out in fear. Jesus says, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. And Peter, Peter steps out of the boat. Peter steps onto the water. Question, if you had been in the boat, would you have stepped out of the boat? Would you have stepped onto the water? Would hope so. But no matter how you might answer that question, if your answer is, yes, sure, I would step out of the boat, or if your answer is, not on your life, Barry, would I step out of the boat, no matter how you answer, Peter would never have walked on water, even though it may have been only a few steps. He would have never walked on water if he had not stepped out of the boat. But third observation, just because Peter walked on the water did not mean that the wind and the waves 
we're no longer there. We're no longer threatening, intimidating. Likewise, even though we may feel like we're walking on water at one moment, the storms of life are still there, many times lurking around the corner with all of the stuff that the storms of life bring, the fear and the doubt and the dismay and the discouragement and with all of the questions that come. And yet, that's not the end of the story for Peter. A third moment in his life, this time from the Gospel of John, just like the second moment, this one occurs in the overall context of Jesus feeding the 5,000. After he feeds the 5,000 in John's gospel, he begins to talk to the crowds about the seriousness of discipleship. It's more than just bread and fish. Here's what it means to follow me. And the text tells us that many in that crowd began to leave. Listen to the words. From that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Just a couple of quick reminders of phrases in those verses. Phrases that resonate when I think about my life, when I think about the rest of the story. When Jesus asked the twelve, are, are you going to leave me as well? Peter's answer, if I can paraphrase, is, Lord, in the storms of life, when we are uncertain and fearful about the future, when we have our questions, where else can we turn except to you? Peter's still early in his time of following Jesus, but it is that thread of hope that Jesus brings to Peter's life, even leading Peter to say, we have come to believe and to know that you're the Holy One of God. Again, Peter's going to have so many up and down moments in the rest of his life, a moment when he denies that he even knows Jesus, another occasion after the resurrection when he says, well, let's go back to what we know best. Let's just go back to fishing. He will have so many moments. But all of those moments that I've referenced today, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus calming the storms, Jesus walking on the water, Peter walking on the water, and ultimately the resurrection. All of those moments are moments that make all the difference in the world in Peter's life. Those moments in and of themselves are not the end of the story. Just like with the moments that we walk through, there is still a piece of the story to be told. And the reality, church, is every one of us has a story to tell. And I look forward to interacting with several people during this series. Let me invite David and Lisa Fraze to come ahead and join me on the stage. Many of you know David and Lisa. Uh, if you don't, uh, they've been married for 30 years. They have walked through life together in ministry. Uh, we're in Lubbock for... Many years were away in the Metroplex for a few years and have been back in Lubbock for three years now or so. Both of them connected at LCU, part of this church family. Had the privilege of knowing David more specifically for the 21 years I've been in Lubbock. And it's a blessing to have the two of you here today. So all of those years of life and ministry, just like all of us, you've walked through your share of storms. And so share with us what you'd like. What has that been like? 
Okay, so what I always say is grief is a very familiar friend to the phrases. And so we have just had that experience and I was always, I'm very nervous about starting any kind of my story without saying every one of us has been through something. Every one of us has something that we've struggled with. And so this is just our story and this is just our experiences, but we are well aware that we are not the only ones who have gone through suffering. Um, but I started my grief journey when I was seven years old. My family kind of fell apart and there was a divorce that happened. And then um, by the time I was a junior in high school, I went through a second divorce my mom had. And that was a little uh, more unnerving to me as a 16 year old because he was a little, uh, I, would, I guess I would just say he was mentally um, harsh and emotionally harsh with the family. And so um, it was a very scary time. And then when I'm a senior, my father developed brain aneurysms and he was in a coma for a month and then he passed away. And by this time I was looking for something a little more positive. So I went <laughs> off to college and think, I'm gonna start my life over and this is gonna be so much and fun. And you found me. And I found him. <laughs> We've never um, had troubles in 30 years. No, I'm such a positive it's husband. It's all rosy. Thanks. But anyway, um, so we were engaged um, about after a year of being in college, and my grandmother, who I was pretty close to, lived in our house under hospice and passed away in our house. And then, um, then I get married, and I have this thinking and my planning in my head, like most of us do, okay, I'm going to get married, and I'm going to be married for five years, and then we'll start having children, and then I'm going to have two years apart, and everything's going to be perfect. And that's just not what God had planned for me, or, or really what anybody had planned probably. But we started this journey of infertility that went on for five years, and we were just in the depth of frustration and sadness and grieving and not knowing who to turn to because a lot of people weren't talking about it back then, um, what they had been through in all of their uh, infertility issues, and it was mostly a medical thing on my part, and I've had a lot of medical issues <laughs> in our life, but um, we've got We own a wing at the hospital, yeah, and do. it's awesome. It's a <laughs> Lisa Frey's memorial wing. Yeah. Not memorial. Memorial means you're dead. <laughs> the, that's just the Lisa Frey's wing. It's, it's good. Go ahead. It's kind of morbid. So, um, and we were, we were blessed, uh, Braden and Shelby are blessings in our life. We can't even think of another world without them in it. Um, I, our first year of marriage together, my dad was the best man in my wedding, my fishing buddy, and uh, he passed away the first year of our marriage. And uh, that, was, that was difficult. Within the next few years, uh, our sister-in-law, when Braden was born, had breast cancer and she passed away. Shortly after that, her mother had a glioblastoma and passed away. My mother developed Alzheimer's. Um, there was just so much stuff happened. We go on and on. We had the bus wreck, and then a four years afterwards, a lawsuit that, that um, I couldn't share anything with her. Um, I would get mail, and I'd just go walk around the block. So if you live in our neighborhood, Warren, that's what I was doing, just walking around. Um, really, a, there's always kind of been a journey of grief. And when, when I think about, though, I think about all the blessings that comes with it as well. Um, like Lisa said, there's always, you hold on to it lightly because we've all been through things. And 2020 was difficult. It, it started um, right before uh, COVID quarantine happened. A, a friend of mine, one of my colleagues, I taught him in university. 
Um, I worked with him for years. He was a very close friend, shot himself, and that was the beginning of 2020. And we walked through that. Quarantine happened. Our kids get COVID. Lisa's diagnosed with breast cancer. We walked through that in a COVID situation, which was interesting. And then in November, my mother, you know, passed away. And so I, I still remember, she doesn't even know this, when, when you're in COVID and, and y'all know this, if you're in the hospital, you're there alone. And I, I'm actually a pretty, I'm a more introverted fellow than you would think. And I enjoyed those times alone. But I remember this last time she went into surgery and y'all been there before. It was, you know, grief showed up and it was just this heavy weight. And I sighed and I'm like, I would give anything to just be on a boat with my dad. I, I just wanted to see him. And it's been, you know, almost 30 years. And so the grief always comes back. Uh, but I would say that our faith, and I love John 6, where else do you go? I don't think we're special than anybody else, but we'd look at each other and after the bus wreck, we're like, we're staying in ministry. After this, we're staying. Cancer's great. Uh, it, you know, we're, it's not going to beat us. And she's an incredible warrior. So it, it's, been, it's been quite a journey. Well, I was going to say, back in 2014, we had our first cancer diagnosis for me. And that was out of They eight. may not want to be in this room. You cannot catch cancer from listening to somebody on the stage, I think. Well, but I had gone in for uh, just a routine appendectomy, and so they send the tissue off, and it comes back that it is cancer. And so um, we got through that journey pretty well. We worked really um, hard in, in, in tying ourselves to other people and, and talking to other people. And then when the cancer diagnosis came um, this last year, I know we sat down with the doctor, and she said, I don't know how y'all are taking this so well. And I said, well, to be honest, this isn't the first time we've heard the word cancer in our life. And we have such a support team around us and such great, I mean, we, we've had a great marriage and we've had such um, good times together that that's helped us. And, and we have a great church family and everything that's just surrounded us. Has, and that's part of the journey is involving other people with you. And, and, and maybe that's an important question for you guys to answer for all of us. Yes, we all walk through storms. Uh, but if you're walking through storms and I love you guys and I want to be supportive of you guys, what do I do or not do? What do we as a church do or not do? Um, two things I want to say. One is the power of presence. You don't have to say a word. I'm a hugger. And when people come up and just hug, that means something or a nice handshake. The presence is incredible. Um, but you also learn that sometimes you should really just keep your mouth shut. I mean, if you are introduced, if someone says, and this happens in ministry, where was God and stuff like that, it's a very thin, holy space. And, and I would say don't defend God. And we've heard some of the, can I just say the word stupid and with kids in the audience? Yep. Adults are stupid. And, and here's what happens. We get nervous and we panic and we just start talking about spiritual things. And so let's go back to the bus wreck. If your daughter survived the wreck and your daughter was lost... Within earshot, people who meant well would run up to you and say, I thank God that he was with your daughter. Well, you just heard that. So the implication is if your daughter passed, then God wasn't with your daughter. Or a very theologically untrue statement is, Barry, I'm so sorry you lost your mother recently, but God needed another angel. I mean, it's like, is God a narcissistic weirdo that, you know, offs us so he can have more people around him worshiping? It, theologically, it shuts down. You notice my passion gets rallying because there's so many things that we say are just not helpful because we will not shut our mouth 
be present because we have to explain somehow the pain. But sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says yes. Well, I was going to say, he definitely said yes to us in 2014 when we went into the hospital for my surgery for that particular cancer. Um, the doctor kind of walked in and about five minutes before I'm already IV'd up, I'm ready to go. I'm like, and everybody's in the room is with me, been praying over me. There's like 12 or 14 of us. And he comes in the room and said, I need everybody to leave except you and you and the nurse. It was me and him. And I was like, oh, this is a lost cause is what it is. Yeah. We've never had this happen ever no, before. So no. we're like, they're just going to cut off our legs. I mean, I didn't know what was going to go on. I mean, or it's just not worth it, you know? Yeah. But he said, man, I've been getting phone call after phone call from the labs this morning. We, we have done um, research and, and more findings have come out and we are, uh, and we're looking at this lab work and my lab technicians are saying there is no cancer. We cannot have this surgery because you don't have cancer. And he said, I've never had to do this in all my years. And he was a specialist in Dallas. And he said, and I was just like looking at him going, what do I do now? And he goes, just go out and eat and celebrate, I guess. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But before we left the room, we were thinking, man, there's a hallway of people in here who don't get that same response from their doctor who are still struggling, who are still in the pit of despair because they're not sure they're going to make it through surgery, yet we get to walk out squeaky clean. And so we were like, let's just leave and let's just don't say anything till we get down into the parking lot almost, you know, and then we could kind of hug each other and get excited. But that was a healing that we got the yes for, but it's not always like that. Like when we got our breast cancer this last year, it wasn't a yes. There wasn't a healing until I went through the journey of it. So sometimes there's a yes and sometimes there's a no. And God's good in both of those. So Facebook people, can I just say this? We have extra time. Oh, why don't you, you rant. Can she rant, rant for a I'm second? Rant for a second. This is a good rant. <laughs> well, because you asked, what can we do? My biggest thing is to share your story. Share with other people what you've gone through at the right time. <laughs> because you don't want to come into somebody and go, well, I heard you lost your dad. Well, I did too. And I know exactly how you feel. Because that is never the truth. You don't know exactly how somebody feels, even if it's the same kind of scenario. For one, because if I was close to my dad and you are not close to your dad, then it's not the same. The grief is different. We are, um, I remember being in the, in the pit at times, crying out to God, why do I have to struggle like this? What's going on? And when are we going to stop this? Because I need a break. And I've said that to God several times. I need a break you got to get me something good in my life because this is bad. Um, but what he does is he puts people around you that can share that story and at least say, yeah, I know what grief is. I do. I know how it feels when you're at the deepest part of your grief and you've got no more tears to cry. So I would say when you're on Facebook and you put out there that your children are perfect and they're saying their Bible verses at age two, I mean, I'm seriously sitting there going... Well, I just want my kids to not throw a fit in the middle of Walmart. You know, I mean, I'm glad you have it so great. But we know that's not like, it's not real. I mean, a lot of things we're putting on Facebook is to show everybody how perfect we are. But that's not us. None of us are perfect. We've on, all gone through that grief, mm. that process. It's a good sermon. It's no, awesome. Sorry, sorry. That was good. Well, and, and, but, but the grief, the guilt, uh, perhaps even the shame. And so the little clip we heard prior to me getting up here, you said, uh, but that's not the rest of the story. And so fill us in. Um, man, that was a rough time. I, I think, um, 
sometimes very lonely, you know, when people wouldn't know what to say. And uh, fortunately, you know, for a while you'd walk through the city and people would recognize you and just go, you know, and they'd stare at you. Um, You know, that's pretty normative to people who go through big situations. Uh, 20 years afterwards, uh, we met uh, a couple years ago all the survivors, and uh, we had a little bit of a reunion. And that 14-year-old girl is now 34 years old, and it is great to hear as she began to retell that story to this other young lady she saved. That young lady doesn't even remember it, but they're sitting next to each other, and they're recalling the story, and the girl that was saved is just like gathering all these pieces um, and, and, and understanding more about what happened. But I noticed off to the side there was a young man that was quiet, and he just was really reserved, and it was awkward because he had been talking. Um, he's a police officer. He's seen a lot of stuff. And after we were through that night, hearing that story and her saying, um, you know, did God answer our prayer? And she went through this journey of grief, and she's doing well today. He was still quiet, and he looked at me and said, can, I, can we visit tomorrow over coffee? So we went to coffee shop on 82nd, and he just started crying. He said, David, do you remember who you asked to say that prayer before we got on the buses? I said, I'm sorry, I don't. He goes, it was me. Because I was 12 years old, and I was so honored that David Fraze would ask me to say this prayer. And for 20 years, I wondered if it was my lack of praying or my lack of faithfulness that God didn't answer that prayer, and we had that wreck. And it was great to sit there in that moment and, and say no and to talk through grief and to see that burden removed but, but it, it, it made me sad because for 20 years he'd been living with that, never wanting to visit. I thought about over 32 years in ministry now when we stand up in places like this and so many people do the Facebook pose and give us their highlight reel and their life is not good. And they go through life thinking there's something wrong with them, that their prayers aren't good enough, they're not faithful enough. And the fact of the matter is that when Jesus told that final story of two houses on the sand and the rock, a storm hit both of them. And we have this idea that you give your life to Jesus, nothing bad will ever happen. You'll, you know, you'll marry someone who's Christian. You'll have little Christian babies. You'll become a deacon and make decisions about tables. And then you'll make, and then you'll eventually become an elder and get to decide on carpet and die. You know, and you're like going, that's, there's no adventure to that. But that's, that's the story we tell. It's like, well, you got to keep it all together. But the fact of the matter is, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Bad things happen. And when you press through it, I think we can say, man, two beautiful kids, a wonderful life. There's a depth to our faith we would not had because we're both babies of the family and we're special. Um, there's, we wouldn't be where we are today after 30 years of marriage without going through those storms and trusting that there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. Which is my prayer, church, every Sunday that this is a safe place where we can share our stories, where we can acknowledge the storms of life. Let me invite the team to come back up. Where, where we can acknowledge the storms of life. I, I don't know where any of you are individually today. Maybe, maybe the storms feel like they're so overwhelming right now that you feel like you're drowning. And so our, our invitation uh, today is something as simple as let's be honest and let's be real with where we are and let's reach out and take the hand of Jesus. Where else can we turn? And hopefully to even encourage that today, 
some of our elders and staff and spouses are going to be available at different places in this worship center as we sing together. And if you'd like to go and share, seek their prayers, they'll be available afterwards as well. But together we walk this journey. And we pray this can be a time of blessing for you. Would you stand and let's sing that song together.